You know what we're not going to talk about? No, let me guess, that darn book. We're not going to talk about the book. I mean, have you started reading it? Yeah, I mean, of course I started it. I bought the hardcover. I decided because everyone's like, well, it, you should buy the, the hardcover because it means something. And I'm like, well, really, if it, a tribute to Steve, like, I probably should buy it from my books. That's the only way anyone in his family is getting a 30% cut of it. Well, don't you think he's getting a cut and the author's getting way more of a cut if it's in hardback? The author, I'd the rather author give, is probably getting a cut. But I'd I'm rather give Apple. it to... No. Apple has enough. I'd rather give it to Isaacson. Brilliantly written, but I'm not going to talk about the book. No. Nope. Right. If you want to, if you want to know more about the book, you know, go to, go to Mac Rumors. <laughs> go to Mac Rumors, and they'll spoil it for you. Actually, just follow the Business Insider, who I have yeah, subsequently I decided to unfollow. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you're going to keep posting excerpts of a book, where I just want to read it in the comfort of my own home and not know all of the tidbits and secrets. Honestly, I, I think don't care. I'll drop it after this one point that I think that luckily they aren't really ruining the parts that I find the most interesting, meaning how he came to be and who he is as a person. Like, no, no, completely ruined. I don't. Uh, well, look, if you were gonna, no, uh, uh-uh. just no. <laughs> it's totally uh, uh-uh. you can't have a story that's called the best parts about the Apple Steve Jobs bio. That's terrible. I guess it's I don't want to know the best parts. I just want to read it. All right. This is Weekly Download, episode number 18, sponsored by Potentially You. If you'd like to sponsor us, check us out. Click on the sponsorship link on our website. Top, top, number one thing we'd like to talk about today is ice cream sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Mm, I like Klondike myself. I'm a big Klondike fan as well. Yeah, a lot of people are. So there's Android 4.0. Um, I linked to the screenshots because that's what really makes it speak for itself. Right. But there's a lot of controversy around the font, which I kind of want to talk about as well. But first, what are your impressions? Uh, I think that facial thing is uh, kind of weird. So the facial thing that Chris is referring to is you can unlock the phone with the face. So basically it kind of looks at where your eyes are in position relative to your mouth, kind of looks at the general overview and just says, yep, that's you, and unlocks your phone. Fonts certainly different. That's what we're going to go into. Um, I think it's a good step forward. I, I don't think it's like revolutionizing or anything like that. Like I've, I've seen some people say this is a huge step forward. And I mean, every OS update is a huge step forward, but I don't think this is any different than any other ones. What really stuck out for me is it's geeky. I mean, it once again shows what kind of phone, who this is made for. Like, who cares if your phone can be unlocked by looking at it? I mean, you know, or who cares that you have you have no icons and it's like clean or you can well, put things anywhere or it's and it it's, may be clean but it's still complicated like even looking at these screenshots like it there's seems so very much complication to here's it. the here's what one screen really jumped out maybe was this data usage screen like if we live in a world where data usage shouldn't even matter and two gigabytes is enough for 95 percent of smartphone users then why do we have this huge app? who cares why did they spend their time on this is something i just don't quite understand here's another one where it shows specific data usage in an app i think this is ridiculous like it's a waste of time it's for a computer scientist if i was a computer scientist or if i was a power user of a phone i would love this phone the fine-tuned sort of things that you can do with it in the camera app with the face thing with more options in typing and cool google integration all of that is great but like why does it want me to why does it pull me away from the iphone or something like that is something i don't 
quite understand. And the form factor of a smartphone, you know, leaves much to be desired when you look at the things that they're trying to do with full page previews of websites and big pictures of your photos and whatever. It seems to be more for like the tablet market than for the smartphone market. Right. And and their goal here was to integrate everything into one, similar to what iOS has done. But I think that they're taking a, a very odd approach that'll make it almost impossible to get the integration there. I don't know. We'll see. I things I like about it, I do like how simplified it is. I like how they're really taking advantage of the graphics processing power of some of these phones now. But here's the key um, this word. Some is of really these phones, nice. so it's yeah. going to be fra- even more fragmented than before because some of these phones don't have the processors to do this stuff. Exactly. The fragmentation is still a big problem. Um, yeah, so about this font. It's called <laughs> Roboto, and a lot of people have said it's just a Frankenstein of four fonts that we're per- pretty familiar with, uh, one of them being Helvetica. Right. So what's your take on that? I mean... I don't get as hung up on fonts as maybe I probably should or, or that you would being a design student. But I mean, I looked at it and I was like, well, it seems pretty plain. I mean, oh, here was another thing that someone else pointed out. I can't, I, I'm sorry I can't attribute them, but these icons look flat. Like it looks very Web 1.0, like the way right. they kind I, of I did see, things. I can see what they're saying. These, there. see these look kind of flat, you know, buttons. They don't really look like, they don't, they look, don't look like, like they button. afford yeah, pushing right. really. So, um, you know, it's, it just seems like plain Jane, like nothing revolutionary, really just kind of like a nice addition to what was already there, but I don't know what differentiates. I can't, I don't see anything here that differentiates them to be like the premier OS, right? Unless you're a heavy Google user. If you're in the Google ecosystem, which a lot of people are, then maybe this is something worthwhile because it. It does some great Google integration, hopefully more with Plus so they can plug their own service. But but uh, it's always done a lot of with Google integration. And right. if you're a heavy Google user, you probably always should be using it. Well, if you're a heavy Google user who's also very nerdy, no mm-hmm. offense, but yeah, this right. phone's probably for you. Now, I'm more excited for this phone, the Nokia 800 C-Ray Windows phone. I'm sorry. I think this phone looks great. I actually thought when when I when the Nokia merger happened or when the Nokia uh, agreement with Windows happened, I was actually really excited because I like I think Nokia had cool ideas, cool products, and I want to like Windows Phone. There is something simple, something unique, something special about the way that it just makes it all about the people that you interact with, not yeah. not the little apps. I mean, apps are great. Apps were definitely the step in the right direction, but now people are realizing that apps are becoming unwieldy. You know, I, some people have 10 home screens of apps. Right. How many of those do you use? In fact, on my phone, I have maybe, I have a bunch of folders. I think I have like eight folders, and I try to organize them as best as I can. But at the end of the day, I use the weather app. Um, Google Places is pretty nice. Twitter, Facebook, and Find My Friends at Dropbox. Yeah, I have two categories of games here that I don't even use. I don't I... do any of them. And maybe that's just me, but... And I'm just speaking for myself. I'm sure people who love to play games or something are not drifting towards the Windows phone just because apps aren't developing for it. But if you are someone who loves social and like wants to use a phone to go back to the phone, I think this is a beautiful OS. And I think that what this phone is doing and the way it kind of complements what's going on on the screen, I you know, I appreciate it a lot. So I guess the Nokia conference is tomorrow when they actually unveil it, but... You know, if I had the opportunity to switch easily to this phone, I would. 
just to try it. I, w- I would want to try it, but I'd want to still be able to go back to my iPhone. I, d- I like my iPhone. There's nothing special about it. When I, I mean, nowadays, especially after using it for so long, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know if I'm going to be the only person, but I at least want to get another change of perspective. Right. Maybe it's because I've been using iOS since the summer. And now that it's out and everybody thinks it's the newest thing since sliced bread, I mean, it's That's like... That's the one bad thing about having a developer account and using the developer's previews and things. Right. You get sort of accustomed to it. So, and I think it's great. I think iOS 5, I mean, we haven't really gone in depth into it, but we've talked about it several times on the show. I mean, it's a nice evolution. It's what iOS 5 sh- 04 should have been. Right. And iOS 4 is what iOS 3 should and have so been. And, and so, so on and so forth. So... But it's nothing like, oh, game changer. Like with when you talk about Siri, which we'll talk about later, which is not even a part of the iOS in the first place. Right. And it's you have to have that phone. So I look I look at my phone and think, I've seen this before. I've seen this, you know, for the past two years, three years. There's nothing new about this. But I look at the Windows Windows phone. phone, Nothing has really changed a whole lot in the past two years. I but okay, but like you're you're totally correct about well, except for the fact that they went from Windows C E phone or whatever phone to this. Right, but I mean Apple has started. Well Apple started with that. With the same UI. With the same thing over and over and over. I think there is yes, a constant theme that Apple's UI is getting a little bit long in a tooth. Like they just need to do something to tweak it a little bit. I, I mean the the notifications thing was definitely a good start, but it's just building on top. I mean, I don't know. I it's not sustainable. When you look at any website that you go to on a consistent basis, people like to refresh those websites to give people a new thing to look at, just to keep right, people interested, there. figure out who's really the clientele, what they're really looking for. Apple's just kind of still trying to stay in this, again, I'm going to bring up this term, this whole Tim Cookian fashion of the way of dealing with things, which is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. And that's fine, and that's going to work for probably another year or two years. I mean, we'll see what this iPhone 5 is going to do in terms of... Uh, but they've always been a little bit conservative with their products. Like, they'll keep the same product. People are like, we want something new, we want something new. Then they'll Look be at huge Mac OS 10. Look at Mac OS 10. Yeah. Has that changed in years? No, uh, I mean aspects of it, but yeah, essentially it's the same thing. I don't know. This is probably something worth talking about in like a blog or something. Like, what is change and what does that mean? And does that deter people or bring people in? Because if you look at Netflix, for example, it hasn't changed in a while, but people liked it. But the process changed, so now it's tanking. Yeah, people hate it. But um, you know, I, I just want to look at something different. That's the bottom line. I'm getting tired of finding my i i am not so they they put in this search uh mechanism right if you go to the if you swipe your swipe everything you know to the right and go to right and go to the left whatever that means to you those of you listening you can search on your phone different things but i have to know what i'm looking for right Right. So with Siri, I think they're kind of kind of answering that problem with not knowing what app you need to go to, just knowing what you need to do and finding the app. Yeah. And which is a great step. But like for those of us who aren't on the Siri bandwagon, which is um, of well, the thirty million the iOS, like five million people are. So twenty five million people or so are not on it. I still need to know where to go. And so I've tried to organize my apps in like you know little folders that right. relate to the general thing. But I always go, hmm, where did I put? Um, no, I have that happen. You know, too. like random. it happens all the time. So this is more like, okay, do I want to make a phone call? I hit phone call. 
do I want to do I want to click the big music icon? It's like big. It's all in front of your face. Like it's like, and it's like context specific. Do I want to go on Facebook? Well, yeah, I can go on Facebook, but maybe I just want to contact someone. And if I want to contact someone, maybe I contact them via Facebook, Twitter, all three and above. It's just a different way of looking at things, right. which I find exciting. And I've always found exciting. And now I think this phone is sort of the phone form factor that marries the two it together. everything sort of. In the and middle. I also like the buttons on the bottom. Now, keep in mind, like, there's, it's very simple. You either go back, you go to your home, or you search for something. Look at the Android phone. Look what they've done. They've kind of gotten the same thing. Either you go home, you go back, or I have, I have no, no idea, idea what, what that, that is. <laughs> exactly. What is the button with the two with the two rectangles on top of each other? Maybe it's like an app preview kind of thing, like a cascading thing, May like I the expose mean. kind of thing. Anyway. All right. Well, I mean, you got the one button with, with the iPhone. Enough about that. Okay. But I mean, on the bandwagon of getting along in the tooth, it looks like Samsung is uh, stepping up its game. Fantastic. <laughs> Thrilling news to see that Samsung is the world's largest smartphone manufacturer taking over Apple. Uh, why? Why did this happen? Well, here's the thing. They shipped 20 million smartphones. Apple shipped a few less than that. 17.07. So we were, they were close. Now, we're talking about shipped units, not units not sold, sold, which right. is obviously something we've dealt with numerous times through num- numerous people who've tried to come up with numbers right and they'll play the numbers game to win but essentially they're still not winning in the sense that they haven't sold the product necessarily so yeah a few of the comments quantity is better than quality or quality is better than quantity yeah yeah i don't know i mean i think it's great that they're shipping that stuff out it just goes to show that they have their manufacturing process down right and apple has it but they just can't meet that demand I mean, once again, we found iPhone 4 a shipping slipping in their shipping rates, even though it's the exact same form factor. I've said it, I said it before. I said it again. How can you mess this up? Yeah, I mean, you have so much cash. What are you doing? Um, touch everywhere. I would never use this. I, 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 people have like talked about this in classes that I've been in, how cool it would be, and I've always thought it'd be kind of dumb personally. So looks like microsoft is developing a sort of you know i guess software that's with a pico projector and kindle like censoring that you can touch your hand or touch a you know desk or touch anything and it's like a touch screen now i don't know if your hand is necessarily the thing you want to touch or anything for any, that matter. you can use any object yeah well i mean like but we've always been the mental model is you can touch a screen but to touch anything you, the thing about having a button or having a screen is you know that you can touch it right but if you just project a, a something onto a wall it's kind of awkward do I you mean. know you can touch it because to me, it seems like kind of like a, a demo, like someone should be touching it for me. Right. So, Or like a PowerPoint, or you're just like, what is this? Cool idea. I don't really know how much it will fly, but I'm I think glad that I there's research I know that it'll leave on. the concept lab. Personally. I mean, look at this picture of the guy touching the five in the middle of a keypad. He's touching a five, and the six is coming out of his finger. So, right. It just the projector, I think. So, and for those of us who type with two fingers... With, like with thumbs, right. you would know that if I hit the H, 
that means all of the other keys that I would like move to are on my thumb. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. You gotta, you, so, 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 you gotta be able so to for those of you listening and can't see my hands, you've got, you've got. Imagine that whatever this is is like a, it's like a wooden block. Okay, <laughs> I'm holding a wooden block, and it has a QWERTY keyboard on it, and I'm gonna send a text to someone. So there's a Pico projector on the wooden block that has a QWERTY keyboard on it, and I can start typing. So I say hi. Now hi requires me to move my right thumb onto the screen or this wooden block hit h and if you're a touch typer who's familiar with typing your left hand actually is already moving towards Towards the the eye so you move towards the eye and oh your thumb's still there milliseconds before it goes away your thumb is still there and so you've got this like awkward crossing Crossing, happening and that seems a little odd i don't know maybe there's studies that they can show that this happens a lot quicker but uh I don't think it's even the concept like I said. Anyway. Yep. Well, but thanks anyway, new scientists, for checking that out. Oink, 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 oink. Well, so Kevin Rose is... So Kevin Rose is the founder of Dig. Uh, do you use Dig, by the I way? I don't. Okay, I, I used really to be... popular for a while. I used to be a digger. I became a Redditor. Because I liked how simple Reddit looked. I liked the voting system better. I liked how I could downvote people and upvote things. And the content was fast and way more, you know, updated. Wasn't as filtered if you went to the right categories. With Dig, it's kind of filtered by power users and stuff if you've ever used a service. So it's a little tricky. My understanding, too, was they had that overhaul and then everyone sort of dropped them. Oh, yeah. They had a big major website overhaul and it tends to bring content so what their concept was okay this is kind of a sidebar from oink but basically like they did an overhaul such that publishers and producers of content had direct control as to whether or not they were produced on on dig as well or published onto dig and so they could plug their own content using dig so dig became kind of a way to give back to the producers of content which works except that they kind of produce this content on dig in a small world kind of fashion so if leo laporte wants to plug his show on dig it's only the people who follow leo laporte stuff who would see this kind of thing and then maybe those people who are following leo you're following them and then maybe that's how you see it but this sort of connectedness would have to happen with a lot of different people and it requires logins and stuff like that so the person outside looking in will only see the top things that basically power users are pumping out the so whole it sort, of ruined, it sort of changed the whole it's concept. changed the whole game of the way you look at dig and it's interesting but anyway uh so he's got a new app so the, so then kevin with all of his money that he made has a sort of incubator company called milk and one of the milk apps is called oink and oink allows you to rank compare and share things but not places so things so, for example, this is from Fast Company. Whereas sites like Yelp let people rate entire establishments, Oinks lets you rate things within an establishment, like a particular dish or feature. The information can then be used by other people when deciding where to go. Want to go to the place near you with the best chocolate chip cookies, for example? Search Oink for rankings for chocolate chip cookies. 
I think it's kind of a different concept. Because with Yelp, you can only you can only look at the restaurant, correct? Like, you can't look at dishes, or can you look at both? Well, I think you can look at ratings of restaurants and ratings of cuisines. But you can't, You yeah, you certainly can't, like, look at, drill down and say, where's the best, like, right. you know, fettuccine I, I Alfredo? Think, I think that it might take off. I'd be interested to see what kind of suggestion algorithms and ways they promote right. stuff. Like, where is that coming in? Because that seems the more interesting angle here. Well, yeah, like how are they going to actually aggregate the data or like how will it filter where, where you get sent and things like that? Yeah. Hmm. Is it out yet or is it just... No, no, no. Of- Everything's sort of in the, you know, beta right now. There's not a single thing that Rose has come out with yet that's like public. <laughs> But, you know, and then what he does is his sites look like this. Very simple. I have no idea whether I want to be interested or not. I mean, vote, rank, and share the world around you. Okay, awesome. What does that mean? What do I do with that? Yeah, how do I? These sort of teaser things, like they're trying to be viral, but it's like, you know. Sort of. I look at it and I'm like, okay, I don't care anymore. Well, I did connect on Twitter, so we'll see. Maybe I'll get an invite or something. Uh, okay, so we were talking about Siri earlier, and I have to get on a sort of pedestal or high or soapbox or whatever you call it. Siri's being heralded as this great personal assistant, and I think it's time to kind of take a step back and realize what Siri can do and what Siri cannot do. So everyone knows what Siri is. Siri is the exclusive iPhone 4S feature. You can only get it on the iPhone 4S. And that means 4 million people are using it right now. Hammering the servers away, asking questions about things, or just using their phone with voice. Or it's a personal assistant. So, for example, you can say, hey, Siri, set an alarm for an hour from now. Okay. Siri then looks at the time, looks at where you are, looks at, you know, your alarm settings, and then sets an alarm. So it's got a lot of context information of what's going on. So it's not just like taking your sort of thing, your whatever you're saying, and then asking you a bunch of questions after that. It knows where you're going. So that's kind of interesting. So when you say it knows something or it understands, you know, me from an artificial intelligence sort of cognitive science background, I take it with a grain of salt because there's way more to understanding than just remembering some data. stuff yeah. and some dialogue. It's It's about the whole person. It's about the whole individual. You see... Okay, so I'm watching Mad Men, one of my favorite shows lately. And everyone has a personal assistant at their desk, right? This was the big thing in the 50s. And everyone would smoke and drink whiskey. But anyway, your personal assistant would be there to save the day when you least expected it. They would, you know, buy gifts for your kids, you know, understand your troubles, you know. They would actually interact with you. They would make interactions. They would know you. They would know your emotions and understand how to act on it. They would make suggestions as to what's going on. Now, in contrast, Siri's not going to suggest anything and know your emotions about anything. All it's going to do is respond with some, you know, sort of haphazard sort of things like, I love you, Siri. Oh, I live to serve. Right. It's like, you know, if you say I love you to someone else or your personal assistant, you know, you may get several different kinds of interactions there. So it's good for getting things done. And maybe not. And even that is questionable. But it's certainly not going to, you know, A, read your emotions, B, learn your preferences, which I found particularly interesting. So learning your preferences, by that I mean, do I always want an alarm 
for certain events or want an alarm for everything or no alarms at all? Or what kind of music do I listen to? Does it suggest a playlist of music? You know, things like that. No, it's not doing that. It's terrible with metaphors. You yes. probably can't figure that out at all. And because that's like a huge corpus and sort of analysis and, you know, the way we think. And then finally, you know, you just in general, because of all those things, you can't talk to it about anything. There are just some certain commands and things you can talk to it about. And if it doesn't know, it just goes to Google. Right. It searches. And it's certainly, like you mentioned in the article, not a human being. Like, it, it doesn't have the human aspect, no matter how much we think that it does or we want it to. So I think there are some things that we need to understand for Siri. And then that'll inform, really, the decision as to whether you need it. Like, if you're looking for something that will converse with you and provide suggestions for you based on what's going on, or it has a really good memory of what you're saying, then, hey, you know, it's not there yet. So don't go picking up an iPhone 4S for Siri because of that. But if you're looking for something that's very good at a few things, which it seems to be very good at taking your speech and... Uh, Parsing through it and really understanding. And, and, and well, no, no, I'm not saying really understanding. I'm saying, like, so it can take speech, and then what it can do is parse the syntax and faithfully reproduce it. And that's great for diction. So if you're tired of typing and you want something that can really listen and really look at the things that you're saying and, you know, look up and come out with something that is pretty close to what, what you, you wanted, wanted to say, and then, hey, Siri's the best thing out there right now. Well, I mean, Google actually does have something on their Android that does a pretty good job of that, and I've used it before. Some but people I, say this is far better. Well, like, I mean, far I think it does better. far more things, yeah. but I've used the text-to-speech text on the Android a few times, and I, I'm actually really impressed by it. Yeah, but keeping in <clears> mind that when it comes to Siri, there's so much more context information that it's using, and you can actually... I don't know if you can do this on Android, so... Somebody pointed out that if you, somebody if if the, if Siri is saying something wrong, you can go into your contacts and set the phonetic spelling of oh, what wow. that is, and Siri will change the way it says says something. And that's just one of those like, you know, cool things that Siri right. has built into it with all these cool other things and all these other cool like things that it has access to and, and I think knows it's about. Important to note that neither one of us are saying Siri is a bad product. Just it's not what everyone's saying. That it, like it's not quite what everyone says that it is. It's it's a tool. Right. Is is it the groundbreaking artificially intelligent system that everyone touts it to be? No, it's not that great. I mean, it's good at it's good at just a few things. Now the people I've talked to who have Siri. Like, what they've tried to do is, because they've never done this before, they set aside some time to, like, use it and play around with it. And when they do that, they're impressed. But on a day-to-day -day basis, when, you're, when your model is to go to the app or, like, do that thing in that app or type it out, Siri's not the first thing that's coming to mind. So it's a culture thing. It'll take some time to get used to the fact that, yes, your phone actually can make reminders for you right it's just going to take time for people to adjust that because at the moment it's faster for you to instinctively just go there and from what i hear there's uh, some server problems and particularly when like on the hypercritical episode that i cite in here there's problems with the west coast when they wake up you it just dies really or when they go to lunch or when they come home it just kind of the service gets Crash so slammed yeah. that it takes forever for certain answers to come back.
And then it just defaults to a Google search. So there's some growing pains with that. But in general, the concept, anything that's within your phone, like creating an alarm or setting a reminder, those seem to go okay. But if there's something that has to be defaulted to a Wolfram Alpha search or Yelp or something like that, it's still kind of eh. And then there's the question of, like, is this going to come to the Mac? Or is this going to come to other things later? Right, like you, and the link with the link about blogging with Siri, we talk, right. we talk about the uh, opening up the API to developers. Like, that would certainly be interesting. So, okay, there's my rant. So, what people are doing with Siri that is completely like taking it to the edge is like some people are blogging with Siri just directly. And so, what they'll do is, I thought this was really clever. So, you can text your blog or email a blog using blogger and then if you set it up so that you know siri can send a message or mail to that blogger to that blog api then effectively you're blogging with siri i think that's awesome i think like if i had siri for that i would totally do it now this guy um you know erica sadone and steve sandy here they they just tried one sentence post and you can check out their blog um where is it? Work1325.blogspot.com. I guess he removed it. But there were two posts in there, and there were one-sentence posts. I would be very interested to see somebody creating a blog with like just multiple Siri. multiple paragraphs. I think just doing it. would be very difficult, it. I think. Well, for one thing, you it's not very good at understanding like short pauses, the difference between a comma and a period pause. Right. So you and I understand like where a comma would be put in and where a period, but for Siri, it's kind of tough because people speak differently and it actually, there's no calibration period for Siri to understand what you're doing. So it's really just out of the box, you go. And then maybe it supposedly learns your accent or learns the when way you I say things. When I use the Google one from Android, I got in the habit of I joking with a friend started making fun of me because occasionally well, I was using it for like a week straight on a friend of mine's phone. And I uh, got in the habit of when I was talking to someone, I'd say, hey, that's great, comma, how are you? Like, question mark. Right. Because I, I say the, the, the right. marks, so I don't have to worry about it. But then I, like, started speaking that in normal talk when I was just right. talking to other people. Right. And to me, that's just one of the examples of the things that is Artificial still... intelligence still isn't quite still, there. It's still not quite there. So, anyway, so if you're on the fence about the iPhone 4, as we've talked about it before, this is one of those things that, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, it, people people may use it and people may want to go, but I don't think I would go to the iPhone 4S for, Just for this. this feature. I think more exciting is the camera, but people say they haven't really noticed the difference. But I saw Marco Marco Arment posted that he doesn't see the difference really with the eight megapixel you know four lens system right. versus the thing in your iPhone 4. The five megapixel. It's not that big of a deal. Three. Maybe on a computer you would see it a lot more in post, you know, but. Anyway, so more reasons why that I'm keeping my iPhone 4 and really want the Windows phone. Netflix sucks. That's really, I mean, all there is to say there. Okay. Tablets explode in quarter two to surpass netbooks for the first time. Are you surprised? I See, I'm not surprised. I think we've talked about so this either. numerous times. And We know that the tablet's better than the netbook. Is it the greatest thing, and is it going to be the thing that's going to drive innovation for the next 10 years? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it might. Again, I, I'm i a skeptic know, yeah. when it comes to iPads and tablets and all of that. I'm a consumer, or I'm a producer. So I, I prefer my MacBook Air pretty much everywhere I go. 
Yeah, I, I don't leave home without mine, and I've often found myself leaving without the iPad. I'm so much of a producer that I put a whiteboard on the back of my MacBook. <laughs> he game. did. It, I came. I, he came in, and I'm like, "What? What is that?" I saw on the official, unofficial Apple weblog, they sent, they put a link up to Draw Top, which is probably one of the coolest ideas I've heard of. Is and, and why didn't I think of it? I don't know. It's a vinyl sticky whiteboard that you put on top of your laptop. So all of that useless real estate that you didn't know what to do with it or you just wanted it to look pretty, now it's actually functional. So And it came with like four Expo markers and it came with the little sticky thing, like a little Velcro thing so that it can hold marker. a marker while you're using it. Awesome. It, see, cool. see, that's cool, right? Like with the tablet there's so much questionable whether or not it's going to pick up your finger when you draw and stuff like right. that hey like i got a tablet pens. right here it's, it's on the back of my laptop yeah, i'm i might so have to get one suck I was it, ipad yeah well anyway all right we'll see what happens with that with that being said that was weekly download episode numero what's the what is it i don't know daisy siete Right. The Okay, gracias. Okay. No, I think siete is seven. Right. So this We're is 17. Oh, we are at 18. Ah. The AC Ocho. Yes. Okay. So remember, this, pod- this podcast could have been sponsored by you. You should sponsor the next one. Um, I think it's a, it's a good investment. You'll talk about your product. We'll talk about it on the podcast, make a nice write-up of it. Just get in contact with us. And hey, shout out to those of you at Combine. Right. Terrific stuff. Saw a lot of cool, a lot of cool bit startup businesses. Some great ideas. Looking forward to blogging about those when they go, when the publics or when the products go public. Yep. So, and if you'd like to email us personally to give us some more information, sponsor us there, contact at weeklydownload.com. For now, thanks for listening. <laughs>